0: We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's, time, it's, time, it's time, for time for Taiwan This Week.
1: Good evening and welcome to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week with me, your host Gavin Phipps. And I'm joined this evening by Donovan Smith in Taichung. Great to be here. And Sean Su in Tainan.
2: Uh, great to be back.
1: And we'll begin with the Central Epidemic Command Centre lowering its coronavirus alert from Level 3 to Level 2 on Tuesday of this week. The Level 3 alert, of course, had been in place since May the 19th and the Level 2 alert will be in place until August the 9th. That could be extended. Health Minister Chen Shih-jong says that people have to continue wearing face masks at all times outdoors, except while eating or drinking, and practice social distancing. Face masks are also still mandatory in most, if not all, offices. Now, the maximum number of people allowed for indoor and outdoor gatherings has been increased, and officials have said that funerals and wedding banquets can be held, but with crowd limitations. Now, the new Taipei and the Taipei City governments have yet to open up, basically, on-site dining services and restaurants in those two cities remain only open to takeout services but that could change sometime this weekend probably. And of course border controls also remain in place. Now, while we have seen a drop in the number of domestic cases reported daily to around 20 this week health officials are already being cited by one local newspaper this morning as saying, well, that could rise next week and the week after by around 15% because, of course, people are opening up, more people are going around, and there's you know more cases in the community. So there's concern there. But, I mean, so, Donovan, we're starting Taijong. I mean, obviously, we had the Level 3, and now it's the Level 2. Have you seen things differently when you've been out and about on the streets of Taijong?
0: Well, personally, I haven't seen much, but I've been hearing uh, from people here in Taichung uh, that they've been seeing a lot of restaurants are doing the indoor dining again, But what's interesting is that a lot of them, in spite of local government, uh, specifically local government heads, referring to going out and making sure that all the places have the amount of distancing, no alcohol should be served, and that partitions should be in place, that really the only thing that appears to be actually enforced so far in the restaurants is the distancing. So the partitions, a lot of restaurants are pretty much ignoring that, and we're seeing a lot of places are starting to serve beer and uh, alcohol again, but the partitions, a lot of places are pretty much ignoring that, which is um, very much against what the local governments are trying to enforce in spite of CECC guidelines. So. Um, it's looking from the outside. It, it, it feels, or looks, and feels like a lot of places are starting to react very semi-normally to uh, to, to to the situation. So, in other words, what I mean by that is that it feel when you go into a lot of places, it seems, it looks, and feels a lot like it's normal.
1: But I mean, is there was con- a concern in Taichung about these restaurants flouting the regulations? And do you think maybe the government there should crack down on this?
0: Well, I, I honestly, the 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 big thing that looks to be uh, flouted is the partitions, those plastic plexiglass partitions. And I, I've, to be honest with you, the way it air flows, I, I don't think they actually do much good. Um, because the, the the really important thing is. Is that, you, that these places actually have air flow and that they have good um, they have good air, air conditioning and air what's the word I'm looking for here?:
1: Purification, <laughs> maybe.
0: There we go. <laughs> yes, Good air circulation. And the, the, those partitions don't actually do much good, so I'm not sure how valuable it would be if local governments would crack down on those partitions.
1: And Sean, in Tainan, what have you seen since we went down to Level 2 from Level 3?
2: Well, uh, you know, the mayors are different and I guess uh, because, you know, ultimately it's up to the county uh, governments to enact these laws. And I saw the complete opposite here in Tainan. In fact, I saw quite a few restaurants that still didn't open and I asked them why. Um, So ever since Tuesday, they went went back down to Level 2. I've actually visited subways places like the Artford Dodger down in Tainan or the Focus Small uh down here and also checked out its food court uh trying to you know get something a little different than Uber Eats all the time and what i actually found is that oh, they they all had partitions uh many decided not to open uh their food and still stick takeout only or if they had partitions they would actually have you sit basically on opposite corners but the vast majority of Tainan people, it looks like, uh, did not come out. And I go to downtown Tainan all the time because I live relatively close to there. So I checked that uh, and did not see much of that at all. Uh, and actually, for example, I'll use one restaurant. Um, yesterday I was at the Artful Dodger, and I wondered, why do you only have outdoor eating and outdoor you're split so far apart? And they said is because they haven't had the partitions ready yet, and they didn't want to get fined. So um, other restaurants I saw that they did make uh, partitions, but they used, like, um, instead of the acrylic that we see all over in Taipei, they used other means like uh, plastic boards to make them. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of flimsy, but I think it's supposed to help you, like, not directly cough on the person next to you uh, with, with aerosols. And that person can only sit next to you if they're, with you. So I saw couples sitting together with a partition in between them, and then they were distanced from other people. And this was the case at, um, you know, malls like Focus. This was at As Light as well. And I thought it quite funny that Tainan was taking it extremely seriously. Um, but last week I had visited Taipei. And uh, even though there wasn't indoor dining, I did notice that uh, people were not keeping their distance as vigilantly as they are here in Tainan. So I guess there's just a cultural difference where in Tainan they were really nervous. Uh, A friend of mine mentioned that she had come back from uh, Beibu, you know, northern Taiwan, and the hospital officials freaked out. And she said, no, 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 no this was at uh, uh, Taichung at a you know in Fengyuan at a, a friend's house that's completely you know uh, uh, we drove we didn't take public transportation because the hospital was just about to kick them out because they thought that they meant Beibu as in Taipei and they absolutely <laughs> were about to kick them out from the hospital visit. So, oh. Now no, so, just, uh, think,
0: something that's uh, been, been clear here is that we've gotten a lot of reports here in central Taiwan that a lot of restaurants particularly small restaurants uh, that don't have a lot of indoor space and when you look at the spacing requirements a lot of of small restaurants they either can't afford these plexiglass partitions uh, or they just simply the amount of interior space means they can have one customer or two and from where they're looking at this situation either it's too expensive to install these plexiglass uh, partitions and or they just simply don't have much indoor space, which they could only allow in one to two people. So they basically have just said it doesn't make any sense to bother opening up in, in, in indoor eating. So what they're doing is they're sticking to, uh, they're sticking to uh, takeout only.
1: And Donovan, I mean, obviously Sean there mentioned people in Tainan that seem to be closely adhering still to the social distancing guidelines. What about in Taichung?
0: Well, from what I understand, generally speaking, yes, but unlike from what, what Sean is describing, couples, if they come in together, they are sticking together, and they, the restaurants are keeping people really roughly a, a meter, meter and a half, up uh, th- these groups of people about a meter to a meter and a half away from each other. So that appears to be, uh, in general, uh, adhered to.
1: And Sean, what about concern in Tainan about possibly slipping backwards, going back into level three because cases will rise because of this slight opening up of places, and of course offices are returning to work as well.
2: Well, from my experiences mainly is talking to store owners and people who are in restaurants while I go out eating, and I think the concern is valid. You know, um, at least here in Tainan, they're a little bit. They have loosened up as in uh, just a few days ago. Um, every restaurant or mall or thing that you went to, they would have somebody scan you, scan the code. And uh, the difference now is with level two, they're a lot less vigilant about that. So uh, I do, on the one hand, I feel that certain restaurants are like, it's too early to open up. Uh, we don't even want one case, whereas other places are like, eh, it's, it's not as serious anymore. But we decided just because of the same and similar reasons that Donovan mentioned to not open. Although uh, I think there has been some more creativity, I think, in Tainan because resources are more expensive. So instead of, you know, getting plexiglass partitions, uh, they resorted to the cheap corrugated plastic. It looks really um, I don't know what word I should use for it. It looks a little bit. Uh, not fashionable. It looks a little bit cheap. But I've even seen cardboard partitions made from old boxes and apparently that's okay too. But yeah, just going back uh, I do feel that in Tainan, uh, especially when I make my trips, uh, since I'm fully vaccinated, I've made my trips to Taipei. I've drove up there. I've drove to Taito. I feel southern taiwan has taken it a lot more seriously and we could see that with the case numbers as well uh people are just way more serious about it in general that said occasionally you'll find you'll see a case or two of somebody maybe at the park uh not fully covered covering their faces or uh, something like that but in general i feel there is a stark difference between the upper half of taiwan versus the lower half of taiwan
1: common sense could be prevailing in the south you mean sean
2: <laughs> maybe perhaps
1: Anyway, moving on now. And the Health Minister on Wednesday of this week announced that the domestic coronavirus vaccine developed by Medigen Vaccine Biologics is expected to be available by August. The statement came after the Central Epidemic Command Centre opened a new round of online coronavirus vaccine registration and appointments for adults on the government's Coronavirus Vaccination Appointment System website. And it added Medigen Vaccine as a choice there alongside the AstraZeneca and Moderna brands that were listed as choices in the previous rounds of registration. Now, the Food and Drug Administration, of course granted emergency use authorisation for the Medigen vaccine to begin mass production last week and according to the health minister more information about the Medigen vaccine will soon be made available by the Epidemic Command Centre the government to sign a contract to purchase 5 million doses of the Medigen vaccine and the vaccine requires two doses to be administered 28 days apart to people aged 20 and over and President Tsai Ing-wen wasted no time because she took to Facebook and Twitter to announce that she plans to get vaccinated with Medigen's vaccine and she registered to get her first shot through the government's vaccination appointment system. Writing on her Facebook page, Tsai said the government will only supply vaccines that are safe, effective, legitimate and aligned with scientific standards. While on Twitter she penned, I've registered online to get hashtag Taiwan's domestically developed Medigen COVID vaccine. Now local media has been reporting that some 550,000 people signed up for the Medigen vaccine after it was added to the vaccination appointment system. Now the presidential office says that Vice President William Lai plans to receive a vaccine produced by United Biomedical. However, that vaccine has not yet been granted emergency use authorization by the Food and Drug Administration. United Biomedical presented data from its Phase 2 clinical trials and submitted an EUA application at the end of June. Now, the Health Minister this week also said that the government has a goal to ensure that at least 60% of the island's population has received at least one shot of a coronavirus vaccine from any of those available by the end of October. And on Thursday of this week, the central Epidemic Command Centre announced that some 7.27 million people here in Taiwan have now received their first coronavirus vaccine shot, which translates to nearly 31% of the population. However, only 315,601 people, or about 1.3% of the population, have received the two doses needed to be fully vaccinated against the disease. So, Sean, you're one of the minority here, but I mean, the local vaccine, good news, and the President, of course, coming out obviously to boost sort of public trust in the vaccine.
2: Well, yes, it's based on the same technology as Novavax, which uh, the Atlanta, the Atlantic had an article saying that it was widely considered to be one of the best. Uh, vaccines out there considering uh, um, antibody response as well as uh, studies showing that its effectiveness against Delta and therefore widely regarded as the best available that we have entirely. That means surpassing BNT and all the others. And it uses, and Metagen's vaccine uses the same exact technology. And the phase two trials are basically parallel in results to uh, the Novavax vaccine. The difference is it appears Taiwan has the capacity to produce way more Novavax. uh, I'm sorry, way more Medigen than Novavax is able to produce their type. And without going into the hard sciences of um, why that is, uh, I actually sort of I'm I'm vaccinated with AstraZeneca, but, uh, you know, this metagen vaccine has proven to be, at least according to tests, has shown to be rather way more effective than anything else Taiwan has. Uh, I do know that due to politics that you know, there, you know, the KMT is trying to downplay the effectiveness of the Medigen vaccine. In fact, uh, right now on Twitter this morning, I saw some uh, Chinese trolls writing that 80% of the batch was ineffective. Source, no one knows. Uh, so there's misinformation about it, and I understand that there's fears about it. But I do think politically, it was really smart for uh, the Thai administration, especially Thai herself, specifically saying that she would wait for Medigen to provide it a great boost. It'd it's good enough for her for the president of taiwan then it might be good enough for uh, everyone else and then uh, uh, Vice President Lai choosing um, the other Taiwan local vaccine, which, choosing to wait for that also helps too. But the real thing, I think, the long-term consequences of this is if it does prove effective and it does work well, and if it is like Novavax showing, some, uh, showing early signs of being effective against Delta, then you can expect to not only see booster shots of many people in Taiwan taking that, but also uh, eventually it could be a great diplomatic coup uh, for Taiwan too, especially if we can start exporting it to allies and friends and that kind of reverses the thing too Run, it also just falls uh, a great a great in, it also falls perfectly into the fact that taiwan has recently uh done a great job against this resurgence of not only alpha but also delta in taiwan so yeah great great i think uh, green skies and uh, forward and least in this front
1: and, Donovan, of course, Tsai going for one local vaccine and Lai going for the other. I mean, do you think they had any choice but to do that?
0: Well, I mean, for, they're, they're showing a lot of confidence in the local uh, biomedical community here. Um, that Lai is going to wait for the United Biomedical and that President Tsai is going for the Medigen one is, is interesting. Um, now, if, and this is an if, if both of these vaccines turn out to be uh, very successful as as Sean uh, talked about here uh, then that's excellent the problem is is that both of them are so far trying to, uh, the Metagen one already has its uh, authorization and it's based on the neutralizing antibodies which uh, they they say compares well or compares favorably to those generated in AstraZeneca uh, recipients the problem is is that th- these vaccines have gone through phase one and phase two trials they have not gone through phase three and taiwan all uh, phase one and phase two all the people who are given these uh these vaccines they had no because taiwan was doing so well against uh, uh against the coronavirus nobody was actually exposed to it. So what they're doing is, is they're checking the antibodies that your body produces against potential uh, uh, potential exposure to the coronavirus rather than actual explo- exposure. Now the um, Medigen ones are about to start phase three trials in Paraguay where there's a good chance that of course people will actually be in contact with the actual coronavirus. But the the metagen uh, vaccine right now is the only one in the world that's actually been approved without any clinical trials showing any actual exposure to the coronavirus itself. Now, that being said, I, I can't speak to whether or not the, the body's production of neutralizing antibodies or immunobridging is what they, they talk about. I, I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't really comment on this. That's what they're testing. They're testing to see whether or not these, the, the, the body is producing antibodies to neutralize the coronavirus. And they're, so if, if you test that and then compare the antibodies that are produced by, by bodies that have been given this local vaccine compared to people that have been given vaccines that have been exposed to the coronavirus, that stacks up well uh, but again they haven't actually been directly exposed to the coronavirus so this is a little bit of a scientific uh, leap i don't know whether or not that's entirely reliable or not it looks to me considering that the entire point of uh, for example the astrazeneca Vaccine and the other ones is to produce those antibodies. So to me, this sounds entirely reasonable and reliable. But again, I'm not a scientist. Now the KMT right now, of course, is claiming that this is entirely unreliable and has sued uh, Chen Shijong and the head of the F- uh, uh, the head of the CCC and the health minister and the head of the FDA, claiming that this is not acceptable. So. You know, again, the courts and the medical community, of course, are going to have to have the final, uh, the final say on this. But up until this point, at least, the CCC and the FDA have approved the Medigen uh, vaccine and United Biomedical's vaccine, the one that William Lye is waiting for. They're still waiting on some paperwork. But again, that's reliant on the medical community's uh, determination on this.
1: And, of course, Sean, you mentioned Taiwan using the vaccine to give it to its diplomatic allies. And, of course, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs this week said exactly that, that they're possibly considering providing Taiwan's diplomatic allies with the locally developed coronavirus vaccine. But then, of course, Sean Donovan also brought up the issue of immunobridging, which, of course, isn't internationally being accepted yet, although it's been debated, as Donovan said. But, of course, this could stymie Taiwan actually being able to donate its vaccines developed here to diplomatic allies and whether the diplomatic allies would want to accept them.
2: Yeah, this is a complicated issue because um, uh, basically, according to charts and uh, sites like Statista, there's only about five or six nations around the world that actually have enough vaccines right now. Uh, We're talking about almost 190 nations with a lack of vaccines. If Medigen and uh, United Biologics shows some efficacy, even some efficacy beyond the 50% mark, it's already good enough. So the bar is already very low. However, uh, like I said earlier, phase two trials have been very promising. Uh, Phase three will help determine dosing, among other things. Uh, And indeed, uh, real-life testing will be be the main factor here. So uh, if it doesn't really work, above 50 percent which phase two suggests being highly unlikely then yes indeed then you know the exports and all that will be useless however preliminary results are very hopeful we will see what happens in real life and again it is based on the same exact technology that novavax has used which has proven to be very effective So I do have hope in this one. There's a lot of science backing uh, the potential of it being really useful. It would actually be rather surprising if it turned out to be a dud. Uh, But we'll find out in the coming uh, uh, months. This is why Taiwan politics is so exciting, right?
1: And talking about (laughs) politics, we'll stay with politics there, Sean. Of course, KMT chairman Johnny Jung this week accused the government of coming up with the idea to provide vaccines for diplomatic allies because it had to find a way out for its coronavirus vaccine.
2: Well, like I said earlier, most countries have a huge – Taiwan likes to live in a vacuum, and locally we like to pretend uh, that Taiwan – You know, didn't go, uh, didn't try to get any vaccines, which isn't true at all. Uh, It's been reported that Taiwan was among the earliest nations, if not the earliest nation in Asia, to try to procure, for example, AstraZeneca. Uh, the The real issue here is that the KMT hasn't really made great footholds and according to uh, a recent opinion polls actually Donovan, i heard him talking about this earlier uh, opinion polls actually showed that the KMT isn't making great headway and in fact they themselves have suffered huge popularity drops as well they're trying desperately to be remain popular and to take advantage of the political situation instead uh, it appears the TPP is only a couple percentage points away from the the KMT now so This is, things are changing dramatically in Taiwan's politics, which is the KMP is kind of flailing, trying to, you know, become more popular, to find something to to grip on, to grab a handhold on, Uh, while the TPP is growing in popularity, the DPP has declined as well, but you know not as much as the kmt in these figures so it, it appears that uh, i do understand that as things go on they're going to be increasingly more desperate trying to grasp at i think a lot of straws uh you know uh, initially there were kmt officials saying we should have gotten the chinese vaccines um and then that didn't quite pan out and then later they said we should go after bnt but that later panned out with the support of the taiwan government therefore negating some of their moves Uh, So I understand, and not to mention, and I think Donovan knows more about this, that the KMT has also announced that they have a chairmanship race coming up very soon. So, yes, Johnny Chang's going to try everything to see what sticks.
1: And we have to take a short break now, but we will return after these rather important commercials. Welcome back to Taiwan This Week. Now, staying with talk of vaccine donations over there, the Czech Republic this week announced that it will donate 30,000 coronavirus vaccine jabs to Taiwan. Now, the announcement came after basically Lithuania and Slovakia said they'd also planned to donate several thousand coronavirus vaccines to Taiwan. Doses thereof, rather. Now, this has led to sort of... These aren't large amounts. Of course, we've been getting over one million from Japan. We've been getting over a million from America. And, of course, several hundred other million have arrived from other companies bought directly from the drug companies. And of course these are in the thousands. And there has been talk this week that maybe Taiwan should thank these countries, Lithuania, Slovakia and the Czech Republic, for being very nice but maybe they could, instead of taking them for Taiwan, because the number is so little and Taiwan is not as desperate as other countries, they could work together to donate them to countries that are much more in need. For example, packing them in boxes, putting the flags of the donating countries on said boxes and sending them to countries in South America or africa so donovan do you think they should do this or should they accept these small batches of coronavirus vaccines from the three european countries
0: i think they should accept them and it's because of course there's a lot of countries that are in need taiwan is is very much in need uh, these other countries are very much in need, so uh, i 'm not negating or su- suggesting these other countries aren 't in need. but the fact of the matter is that Taiwan does not have a high, a, a, high, a super high vaccination rate you know we 've just hit uh, about thirty one percent and we 've got a long way to go and the thing that that is very important to remember about these donations from the, these particular countries is that taiwan stood up and gave them ppe uh very early on face masks and other uh ppe right right from the get-go when they were very much in need and so they are reciprocating in kind now then the amounts that they're sending are relatively small and if you wanted to ship them here and considering that of course they have to be kept Temperature controlled, and so on and so forth, and then to turn around and ship them off to a third, third country, the logistics, the cost, isn't terribly. It would would actually be counterproductive. And the thing is, there is something I think from the donating countryside. there the thanks that they're giving, even though these are relatively small numbers, ten, twenty, thirty thousand, the the fact that people here will take these donations and actually put that, those donations into their actual bodies, build something of an emotional connection. So Taiwan came out and helped save lives with ventilators and, and face masks right from the get-go. In those countries, they're sending back, again, relatively small numbers, and that I don't think that it would be cost-effective to re-export them somewhere else that are coming back here, and they're, they're actually being taken in physically into people's bodies here. That, I think, builds, helps to build an emotional bond between these, these nations. So I, I think that definitely Taiwan should take them, keep them here, and uh, administer them locally.
2: Well, um, you know, considering that these nations tend to be uh, low population nations anyway, and they don't have that much, uh, it's not like they have uh, uh, huge amounts of supply. Relatively speaking, 30,000 from them is considered pretty much a lot, especially when uh, many of these nations have donated similar amounts to uh, local nations nearby that have a far higher serious rate than Taiwan. Uh, on the one hand, if one were to be negative, one or cynical, one would say that, you know, it's quite unfair that Taiwan is getting uh, this many vaccines from so many allies and friends ahead of nations that are in far more serious situations with similar or even lower populations. Let's not forget that Taiwan's population uh, is about is more than 75 percent. Uh, than the average uh, uh, United Nations. That's it, like, all the nations out there. Taiwan's population isn't small. The island is small. The population centers of where Taiwan lives are by area are small, but, you know, the numbers of people are high. So even 30,000 from, you know, uh, from Czechia, the Czech Republic, is actually very, very uh, generous of them to do so. And I think it's a gesture, but... You know, like I said, if we were cynical, you would say that, hey, it's kind of weird that Taiwan's getting 30,000 when other countries can't even get 10,000 or they barely can get any. And yet here Taiwan is with just, uh, you know, cases in the teens every day, 20 or below, that we're getting, you know, tens of thousands from allies and friends. And I think this highlights the success of Taiwan's diplomacy uh, in the last Couple of months throughout this pandemic, uh, you know, one would would not really think uh, many other people would be able would be able to pull off what uh, the Thai administration has, which was coordinate, work with local companies, export masks. And you know the success of their Taiwan can help uh, 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 blitz propaganda blitz. Uh, one could also even notice that there's been a lot of articles that have been coming out saying that Taiwan has has basically essentially beat uh, the pandemic the second time. Just for context, it, it's kind of funny where you know where, where we freak out when there's a hundred cases or fifty cases in Taiwan a day. Whereas in places like South Korea or Japan, you know, normalcy is when you have 600 to 1,000 cases a day and, you know, we beat it, you know, essentially uh, uh, on their, by their standards. Uh, so I think Taiwan has this really uh, interesting uh, uh, sort of point of view where in a way it could be kind of very insular in that we, we tend to over-exaggerate the problems that we have here and always say that the grass is greener on the other side, comparing ourselves with nations like Canada, which has an excess of vaccines and you know being really hard on ourselves when we have to realize that right now, Taiwan is being shown a lot of love from all these nations. Taiwan is being shown an outreach of, of support uh, well beyond what many other nations are getting. And either this is, could be a geopolitical or economic reasons or, you know, so on and so forth. But it shows that at least this administration has done a fine job in that aspect. And yes, Even 30,000 vaccines will save lives, and that's what matters in the end. So, yes, Taiwan should take it instead of regifting it. And hopefully, Medigen and uh, our other uh, local vaccines work out well, hopefully. They all have to go through phase three anyway, uh, even though they're approved for distribution earlier. And if that goes well, we could return the favor. And that's what I hope will happen.
1: Right. Of course, with so many people now getting access to vaccines here in Taiwan... Um, This controversy has arisen here because there have been some questions as to whether public sector and government agencies, as well as private sector companies, have any legal right or any right at all to request proof of vaccination from their employees. So, Donovan, I mean, how do you sit on this fence here?
0: Well, Taiwan, uh, as far as I know, Taiwan doesn't have any uh, legal precedent. The United States uh, actually has, all the way up to the Supreme Court, has actually legal precedent on this. But Taiwan has a very different uh, legal system than the United States. So where the United States can actually rely on legal precedent, then the, the Taiwan kind of has to make this up as it goes along. But it's uh, important to note that the CECC, the Central Epidemic Command Center, has been given a huge, I, I, I mean massive, Almost to the point of being slightly scary to the martial law level, I, at points has been given a, a degree of power and a degree of autonomy to be able to set policy that is without restraint. So, for example, when they first uh, last year, when they said they they actually gave the CCC its its powers, they literally gave the CCC last year, power up until, uh, I believe it was June 15th or the end of June, uh, unrestricted power to do anything they needed, they deemed necessary. So I believe that, uh, now, I don't know exactly where it stands legally now, because that legal uh, remit ran out. I don't know if it's been renewed or whatever, The but they they actually were given absolute and complete power without oversight at that time now they didn't actually uh, you, uh, i don't think that they abused their powers that's uh to their credit uh but there were certain uh lawmakers and civil society organizations i know for example Freddie Lim was concerned um in the legislature uh about the the full extent of their powers. But I do believe that the local government has given the CCC the the kinds of powers to be able to dictate or back these kinds of things. Now, they haven't, as far as I know, up to this point, said that companies can, on behalf of the CCC or with the sanction of the CCC, to be able to do this. So I think right now, as far as companies are concerned, they're operating in a legal gray zone. But at any point, the CCC could step up probably one way or the other and give them either the legal cover they need or not. And I think that I think we're just going to have to wait and see what the CCC does and Chen Shidong dictates on this.
1: But how do you stand on the fence there, Donald? I mean, do you think that companies, private sector companies, should have the legal right to demand to know whether their employees have been vaccinated or do government should government agencies be able to do the same?
0: I, I, I think they should with a couple of caveats. One is that there are some people for uh, existing medical conditions that it's actually risky to take the vaccines. Uh, so there should be provisions within any of these decisions to make sure that people who have for medical reasons or perhaps for religious or uh, deeply personal relig- personal belief reasons don't uh, – don't, they, they can't or shouldn't take the vaccine. So the, there are, I, I believe, exceptions. These people uh, should have the option to have, for example, regular testing. So there's the, you know, the rapid testing is fairly quick and fast. Admittedly, it's only about 75% effective. Uh, You know, the tests, they're not great, but I I believe the company should have the right to have uh, the ability to ask these questions, but that people should have the ability to opt out. But if they do opt out, then that means they have to undergo, for example, uh, weekly testing, which is something that you see in the U.S., I believe it was uh, there was one federal agency recently announced that they were going they 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 were going to demand that either the staff was vaccinated or they had to have weekly testing. And so I I do believe that people should have the right to opt out of the vaccination if they do have a valid medical reason or perhaps they have a, a, a deeply held personal belief on on the issue. And they're concerned because the local vaccines, or in fact, none of the vaccines have been given FDA approval. They've just been given emergency use approval. So they may have uh, concerns about the efficacy of these. But then that means that they have to be tested on a regular basis okay. so that you, they have a choice of one or the other.
1: And Sean, what do you think about companies, private sector and public sector being able to ask their employees whether they've had the jab or not?
2: I think it depends on the sector. Uh, for example, if it is a kindergarten or a school Uh, then, you know, or private school or kindergarten, these things then change dramatically because then you need to protect your teachers. Uh, They could be assigned roles which are separate, where they keep separate, maybe administrative roles instead, or they could create programs on the internet or create videos so they don't directly interact with students if they have reason to not be vaccinated. However, uh, I do think companies should have a right to ask and inquire because if the rules are different when it comes to a pandemic, because lives are at stake. For instance, if uh, I, there's a hospice or homes for the elderly, I personally, if my, I would not want to have, for example, my, a grandfather or grandmother or something like that or someone like that, uh, uh, you know, being attended to by staff that have all not been vaccinated. Uh, we have saw the devastating effects of what happens when that happens, when, that, when that happens in the United States. So, um, you know, to protect lives, I do think there are certain industries where, yes, indeed, they should be able to require that their staff either be vaccinated or assign them different roles. I don't think that's a great justification to fire somebody, for example, Uh, but it should be a justification to say, okay, well, you know, you are customer facing or you're client facing or you're dealing with a bunch of children uh, in close contact then you will have to get vaccinated not only for the protection of, you know, the nation, but also your own protection. And for those that cannot get vaccinated for those, they shouldn't be fired. There should be some legal protections to help them as well. But, you know, I think the company should be allowed to reassign them to things where you know they don't interact with all these people for their own safety as well and to also and to also protect everybody else, so it, like Donovan said it is a very complicated issue uh, there's no simple yes or no answer like everything else it's going to be a myriad of uh, legal uh conundrums that we have to think about uh in terms of religion though uh, I worry that people might co-opt a lot of religion and just claim that okay, that's why I don't want to take this shot. Uh, what if people start picking and choosing and they say, well, uh, because I'm a Jedi, I cannot take uh, Metagen, but I can take Moderna only, you know. <laughs> so there's the holy lightsaber or something. So when it comes to things like that, then, you know, then pe- that opens up the possibility of people also gaming the system. So There's, there's no easy answers to this, uh, but I do think that, I do like that the CEC sometimes steps in logically, uh, but you know, sometimes companies don't comply. A good example is with the cases of how uh, several companies have essentially uh, locked in migrant workers to their dorms and then now said, okay, you're allowed free for 45 minutes a day, uh, you know, but i don't I don't think there's a great legal basis to do that, and Chen uh did say that that wasn't very legal, and companies might potentially get prosecuted for that down the line. so I do think that there are limits that what companies should do. I can imagine that there's going to be a company out there taking advantage of this and you know playing nasty with it as sometimes companies are opt to do apt to do, but you know uh, I do hope that uh you know, if, if, if the DPP and Chen were smart about this, they would clamp down on it when companies unreasonable, and they would also open up for places where it is reasonable, such as kindergartens and uh, hospices.
1: And that's where we'll leave it here this week on that possibly pending legal conundrum on Taiwan this week. And I've been joined today by Donovan Smith in Taichung. I am great to be here. And Sean Su in Tainan.
2: Always back. great to be back again.
1: And thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcast on your favourite podcast app where you can get access to all our previous shows.
0: Tune in again next Friday evening at 9 for another informative look at the tough stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also
1: check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.